Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catch Caught podcast. This week, we have the lovely Laurie King, um, who has written a book called Wilder Journeys and has many stories in nature and has a deep connection and reverence for the natural world and adventure. So she's here today to talk to us. So how's your day been, Laurie? Oh, thank you. It's been amazing. I was at a, a solstice celebration, so I saw the sunrise and that's always a beautiful way to start the day. Wow. And was your solstice, um, did you celebrate it, this? you mean yesterday or today? I celebrated it last night and then going on until this morning. Wow. Yeah. Um, did you do anything in particular? So I went to a sort of mini festival uh, with some really lovely music. And yeah, there was lots of gorgeous nature connection moments as well there because it's on a really lovely estate mm, wow we actually had it down in our local beach last night and we built a cairn like an ancient kind of cairn and we like gathered rocks and we did like oh I'm writing into the stones and like we did all these ancient ancestral things and it was so lovely and then we had a fire into the night um but yeah it's so lovely to go back to those old ways isn't it yeah beautiful oh that sounds great um yeah so tell us a bit about um how adventure kind of came into your life and adventures in nature in particular yeah well I'd actually go all the way back to when I was a teenager and doing Duke of Edinburgh um so that was basically the challenge we got set um in school to go on a four-day hike with tents and a backpack and I think at that point in my school days I didn't really feel like I knew who I was or like my place or my friendships but through that I really kind of found something that I loved and I also found my tribe my people that I I connected with the best so I think that that was definitely one of my first moments where I was like yes okay um, there's so much you can learn from being outdoors and being self-reliant and carrying your stuff on your back. It gives you a whole different appreciation of life um, mm. than, you know, being uh, in a house all the time, for instance. Mm. And I find as well, like, you know, that like struggle or that survival skill or, you know, when we're house and we're really comfortable, like, it doesn't really make us feel good like we think it does, but it really doesn't. Have you noticed that when you've been out in the wild? Yeah, definitely. And I always I always um, find it a little bit of a challenge to come back when I've been, especially when I've been in community out sort of in nature. I find coming back home like, oh, suddenly I'm, I'm in four walls. And um, yeah, I do. I actually sleep better in a tent generally. <laughs> starting to wonder why I pay rent um <laughs> <laughs> of course it's nice to have a shower every so often um but yeah I definitely feel the benefits of being outdoors a lot and uh adventure is definitely part of that because yeah you learn so much about yourself and you see some really interesting places and also it's great going with others on adventures and um yeah connecting in that way with them mm. Definitely. And something I noticed as well, I don't know if you have like that connection part, like say tribally or ancestrally, we would have lived like that. And I noticed like if I go to a festival for a few days 
and I have so much deep connection. Like I don't even pick up my phone like for anything just to check the time or like last night, the gathering or, you know, it's like the following day or days, you're kind of questioning a lot of like, wow, I felt so at peace. I felt so regulated in my nervous system. Maybe that's the right way to be living in community. Like, and I question our ways of living a lot because you can go from deep connection and then go into deep disconnection. Do you find that sometimes? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I find it actually quite a lot when I run workshops. So I, I run um, some workshops in Stroud where I live and it's all about connecting with community and setting intentions and going out to the land and coming back and telling stories. And so there's time solo on the land, but there's also time together as community sharing you know our, our inner processes and our stories and I find when I come back home um from those those community uh events I I struggle actually to um yeah find the same kind of fullness um and I'm I'm very lucky that I have lots of those sorts of events and commute that community connection in my life um but yeah, I, I really understand what you mean when you come back. I mean, I often then look to the digital world to offer me the same kind of connections and it just doesn't serve the same same way. Mm, definitely. That's definitely a thing in the modern era, isn't it? Mm. And it just doesn't quite fix the need. And an odd time there, like if I get up in the morning and like if I can, if I have the freedom in the day, just actually leaving the phone and going to the woods for a few hours and like it's so funny because like when I come back and I look at my phone like even when I actually just look at it physically I'm almost repulsed by it I'm like oh my god like I've given so much of my life to you and it's like when you actually get that deep connection you don't want to look at the phone you don't want to get that fake hit of dopamine or whatever you know yeah yeah so yeah it's definitely a deeper kind of connection that you you just can't get when you're on your on your own with technology <laughs> yeah um so some of the things you've studied um would you tell us a bit about that yeah sure well I, I um I've done all sorts of courses actually I, I'm just obsessed with learning so I started out with anthropology degree and I've also done a master's in food policy um and I'm currently doing a course a PhD actually um so that's my own research about foraging and conservation um so that's my sort of academic training mm. um, and more experientially I've done trainings in ecocentric approaches and mirroring and rites of passage work and also I'm currently doing a training in wilderness therapeutic approaches um, which combines some of those things with more practical bushcraft and psychology. And, um, yeah, I want to keep learning and keep training and all of these things. And, you know, on a couple of days' time, I'm doing a tracking course, which I'm really excited about. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I've definitely got a strong academic background, um, and that's my comfort zone, I suppose. But more and more, especially after writing Wilder Journeys or editing Wilder Journeys, I've become really inspired to just you know learn practical outdoor skills and also my passion is of course self-growth and self-transformation so supporting others to grow um mm. through the outdoors is mm. uh, 
yeah part of my my learning journey as well wow and you're for anybody listening who's not sure would you tell us a little bit about rites of passage yeah for sure so um the term is an old term actually probably started through anthropologists describing particular practices um, of peoples across the world. And it's sort of an initiatory process where people move from um, often childhood into adolescence or adolescence into adulthood. And it's sort of um, the ceremonial aspect of, of their shift in their life stage and figuring out what, what they desire for their life and who they are um and so that is um yeah a, a word that's used to describe that kind of process and um in the context in which i use it there is a whole kind of school of of uh, work and thought which is about wilderness rites of passage and it um yeah they use different different tools uh, quite a few have been gifted by um, indigenous peoples of the Americas who use these practices in their own culture and have sort of said okay you guys need this <laughs> um, and yeah I've worked together with psychologists quite a lot um, in the states actually and now it's more here in Europe um, yeah to basically support people in their life transitions and to really understand who they are and what their their mm, what life wants from them <laughs> and yeah yeah, and um to be able to answer that calling Hmm. um and the tracking have you had experience with that or what are you most excited for Mm, only a little experience actually so um I know you know Lucy O'Hagan I uh, was on a course with her earlier this year and I did some deer tracking with her which was amazing um and actually I recently did a, a solo during one of the workshops that I run and um <laughs> my intention ended up sort of playing out as me tracking um deer through the woods obviously it helped it helped that I had these skills already learned from Lucy but um yeah I suddenly really got into it and was sort of following the deer path through the woods and found their nest and um felt quite deer quite animal uh, and that really was inspiring for me and I thought okay I've got to do more of this it feels like a really great way of being present and mindful in a way that I uh, often am not uh, I'm quite a thoughtful heady type person who is often sort of thinking of poetry or metaphor in nature or like my life and how it all connects in the interweb um interweb I'm not sure what I'm referring to there but um yeah the interconnection between things and so being that mindful and present is yeah it feels amazing and I I must admit it's one of the first things that I've found that really gets you to that place very quickly Hmm. and I find as well like I know for me living a kind of I know people live a van life like I live a farm life (laughs) but like honestly like when you live the ways that our ancestors lived, you are forced, your being is forced to be present, you know? And it's like, what if we lived that way, you know? 
like sometimes I forget I'm like oh shit like I have to earn money you know because I'm so present with the jobs and the farm that I'm like oh my god I need to go out and make money <laughs> you know <laughs> like that actually happens to me because I'll be so present in doing my work and then I'm like oh my god this work like it's not just going to give me money <laughs> you know and it's like I need to go out into the real world then but it's like I just notice when I'm doing all those skills and tasks in the forest or whatever with the bees and the chickens whatever you're so present like the animals are so present so they draw you into the present and like I suppose with the bees as well like you have to be so focused like you're literally holding or in the presence of like live animals that could potentially you know they could be high risk um <laughs> depending um but it's like there really is a we need to get back there you know um and yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm curious actually about the deer nest like what's that like well it's so it was a a for a woodland with quite a lot of growth like undergrowth mm-hmm. and it had been it clear that they had slept there because the undergrowth was all sort of flattened uh, in sort of slightly deer-ish shapes <laughs> um, yeah it just felt like that was definitely where they were sleeping the night before I don't know if it's where they sleep every night I don't actually know enough about deer yet yeah. um, but I'm, I'm curious to know whether they kind of go back to the same spot each night or whether they kind of nomadically yeah. move around the woods interesting hmm um, and where will you do the tracking or do you know what animals you'll be looking at or I, I don't know yet um, yeah. yeah I'm open, open to all sorts but um, it's an organization called Explore Our Nature and I went to the book Bushcraft show this year to promote Wilder Journeys and I met Paul from Explore Our Nature and he was running a tracking course and I thought that's great I'm going to join <laughs> wow amazing um and tell us a bit about Wilder Journeys. So what does the book encompass and how might it help some of us that may be like disconnected or looking for inspiration? Yeah, so um, basically it's a, a collection of stories. So all by, by 13 different authors. And there's also a number of poets that have contributed as well. Mm-hmm. So it feels like a community in a book. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um Basically, they're stories that um, I've gathered from different adventurers, uh, nature connection guides, nomads, camera operators, um, people that have had an immersive experience in the wilderness at some point, which has helped them uh, change their perspective or to heal in some way. Um, and also about how they grew through that experience. So we've got, um, for instance, Rod Savage, and she talks about rowing the Pacific Ocean on mm-hmm. her own in a tiny little boat. Um, and, yeah, the, a moment of kind of realisation under the, under the stars. We've got someone who climbed Everest and how that changed her life. And right. uh, we've got um, someone who walked across across the desert and uh in fact she walked yeah i think 42 countries or something like that and um yeah about her walking across the desert and learning to trust her own intuition Uh, and then we've got um some slightly more community focused ones such as david milana who set up a surf school for people of color in uh in california and 
about his own sort of journey with surfing and then wanting to kind of bring others along with him when he felt like it was something that had become quite inaccessible for people of colour and he wanted to change that. So, yeah, it came together in this sort of magical way and there's all sorts of different journeys and stories in there. Some, you know, very extreme, like Carl Bushby, who's an ex-paratrooper who's walking from the tip of South America to the UK, um, not using any public transport, uh, to someone that goes for a walk in the woods and it helps her heal from trauma. So there, there's a real kind of diversity. And I feel like that's part of the gift of the book because people, everyone I spoke to has been basically inspired by a different story. It's connected with them in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, one person will say, oh, that was my favorite. And then the next day I speak to someone and goes, oh, I didn't like that one as much. And it was just, I love that about the book. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and the poems are are there to sort of offer some more... Well, a, d- a different way of expressing connection to nature. Um, yeah, I, I wrote poetry, so I'm quite passionate about it. And I thought it would add something magical to the book. Wow. And now I'm feeling like I would like to hear maybe a poem. Would you like to share? Sure. Yeah. Um, Do you have any special one? I could read... Um, Let's see. I mean, this is one of my favourite poems ever, but it wasn't written specially for the book. There are some that were written specially, but I think I've just got to read it because it's so beautiful. It's uh, The Journey by David White. Above the mountains, the geese turn into the light again, painting their black silhouettes on an open sky. Sometimes everything has to be inscribed across the heavens so you can find the one line already written inside you. Sometimes it takes a great sky to find that first bright and indescribable wedge of freedom in your own heart. Sometimes with the bones of the black sticks left when the fire has gone out, someone has written something new in the ashes of your life. You are not leaving, even as the light fades quickly now you are arriving Mm. (laughs) yeah that's one of my favorite poems and very lucky that David White agreed for me to put it in the book um but I would I would love to read one that was written specially for the book as well um 62 but by Lynx Fielden uh called Breath my breath is the wind in its infancy birthed from the place where land meets sky it searches along the stream banks for leaves left long before winter my breath rhymes the swamp grass with hoarfrost that shatters as it falls though only the ears of the owl can hear it we are crystals we are crystals transforming my breath rising from the living burning flame ignited in the very beginning and carried in the chest of every holy torchbearer My breath is seemingly endless sigh that cloaks barren mountains and whispers, I have come, I have come home. Wow. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah, poetry has a way, doesn't it? Definitely does, yeah. (laughs) 
present moment that's what it does <laughs> yeah it definitely it brings you into a slightly different state altered realm yeah um and I'm curious about your own connection to nature do you go out every day or like how do you connect mm. um I definitely go out every day it would be yeah a very sad day for me if I wasn't able to go out but um interestingly I've had an Achilles injury for the past eight months and it means like usually walking is my way of connecting um and I go for you know at least one walk a day through the woods here where I live or wherever I am I, I choose a spot which I know is beautiful and um I haven't been able to do that so much over the last nine months so what I've been doing instead is like learning skills uh like foraging which is part of my PhD anyway bushcraft and um connecting in that way as well as tracking and yeah I actually find that um learning about foraging and other ways of using natural materials gives me a new appreciation of um, yeah our connection with the natural world and the abundance actually out there <laughs> so yeah it's been really great in some ways to connect differently than I was my previous which was definitely always going for a walk mm. um and yeah I would I would encourage like finding a a craft that relates to the natural world whether it be cordage making or cooking and foraging or fire lighting and just trying to really understand how the natural materials provide mm. yeah so interesting um and what are you foraging right now like it's summer are you seeing loads of goodness around you? I mean, there's tons of elderflower around all the time. Um, and yeah, also the nettles are a bit leggy, but they're even better for making cordage now. Um, but yeah, I would say that um, going to the coast is the best shout at the moment because of all the seaweed during the summer. And I haven't been yet, but it's it's on the cards so looking forward to that as well. Um, and what did you say? What was the word you make the nettles with? Oh, you can make cordage. It's like a kind of, um, yeah, an ancestral skill to make string or rope. Okay. It's using the skin of the nettles and kind of rolling it um, and plaiting it or braiding it in some way. Mm. Uh, you can also use other plants for that as well, you know. I've tried it with um, flax recently as well, which was which is good. Um, yeah, it is so a fun thing to do if you're if you're into the kind of rolling, fiddling, knitting kind of kind of thing. Yeah, I presume I've never learned this because I have a million miles of ropes around me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, yeah, and you got sheep as well. Um, I get wool off a neighbour, all right, but um, yeah, yeah. I guess this is pre pre wool these these sorts of skills. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fascinating what our ancestors did, you know. And then we got so much stuff to use. 
Um, I just have a question, actually. Do people think you're weird? <laughs> I mean, like, because I get, like, people say stuff to me, you know, I'm just curious. Like, when you meet modern day people, are they like, what are you doing? Like, you know? I I guess some people do, yeah. Um, I quite like that, actually. Um, but then a lot of the people that I talk to about the stuff I do, they're like, wow, that's badass, that's really cool. And they're, like, inspired to learn about these things themselves. Like, I know that I find it inspiring when I um, hear people's stories. Like, yeah, Miriam Lancewood, who is the co-editor of Wilder Journeys, lived in the wilderness for seven years. And that's like very anti-society. That's quite extreme. And mm. like I can't wait to talk with her more about that and learn from her about the skills that she she gained during living in the wilderness. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess there there are some people that would definitely say, "Hey, like, why do you need to do that? Are you kind of a survivalist? Like, do you think the apocalypse is happening?" I've definitely had all of that, but actually, for me, it's just a way of connecting with our heritage with nature and Mm. yeah going back to kind of simplicity in a way definitely yeah and it's good like it's good that it feels inspiring for people there's just an odd couple that say stuff to me but I I find it actually quite funny like I climb up the rocks and the beach and like people in 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 the busy summer's day and half the beach are like what (laughs) what's going on here (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's like a bear climbing up the mountain you know it's like I just it's good because they learn you know um and they learn that there is food on the rocks in the ditches you know not just in the shop um yeah and what would be kind of your favorite craft you've learned or you know Mm. So a recent one that I didn't expect to like very much, and I've only done it the once, but it really, um, it felt more intuitive to me than I expected, is uh, creating things out of bones. So, um, yeah, on on this course with the deer, Lucy and her colleague Jessie taught us how to make a knife out of a deer bone. Um and I really enjoyed that. And um, yeah, I would definitely like to do more more of that that sort of crafting. People made jewellery and there was knives and needle cases. And um, that we also made a little pouch out of the fur that was on the skin that was on the same leg as the knife came from. Uh, I must admit, like sewing isn't really my strong point. So that was a bit more challenging. But I could, I could sand down a knife, okay? <laughs> Still room for growth. <laughs> Amazing. And do you think for anybody who's like starting out or is curious, like, is there any like kind of more easy thing that they could try to start off? Mm-hmm. Um, what nature connection crafts? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would I would say um, starting with with some simple foraging is a really good way of getting into using natural materials like you know the easy ones like wild garlic or nettles um and also green woodwork can be really accessible as as a um a craft because you only really need a knife and a piece of hazel or something like that or cherry 
um, can make a very sort of um, simplistic butter knife or something like that or a little whistle and um, yeah it's it's nice to have a, a piece of piece of wood and then to quickly create something out of it that you can use mm. Fab. Um, and are there any like YouTube channel you follow or that you get tips from honestly I'm not really into YouTube um, I much prefer in-person learning so that's why I go on so many courses um, and also at things like festivals I go to lots of the workshops that they have um, I'm sure there are really great bushcraft channels on YouTube um, but I I personally have a little bit of a, a difficulty watching a video which teaches something and then doing it myself I think it's just how I, I work as a person I need to be shown, shown several times by someone um, and yeah to actually do it myself shown by them that makes me learn better but um yeah that's not to say that I shouldn't shouldn't start with the YouTube journey but so far I haven't done much of that yeah and do you find on the workshops do you find it's more male like male presence or mix bushcraft and stuff um I would say at the bushcraft show this year there was definitely more male than female and I think that there was some talk of the fact that sometimes it's difficult for women to get into the, the world of bushcraft and bushcraft instructing um but they had a women in bushcraft teepee this year and that was really nice to go to and talk about the actual challenges of um yeah being a woman in that industry which is typically more masculine more male um but yeah i um i've also seen many women and yeah non-binary people in these spaces as well so yeah i'm hopeful that it's it's going to diversify mm. and why do you think originally it was more male I think maybe because of the link with the with the army, sometimes bushcraft and and um, military can kind of go slightly hand in hand, which may, actually makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. But it's that sort of survivalist kind of mentality. Um, so that's potentially why at the moment it, there's more men in it. Um, I don't know that for sure. I'm just guessing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure like previous. Back, back in the generations there would have been women and men crafting and using natural materials for things like they may have been you making different things to each other maybe there was a different division of labor um but they're definitely both genders would have been equally involved with um yeah crafting from natural materials or cooking or yeah mm. yeah it's really interesting Anytime I see like a male dominated thing, I'm like, what's going on here now? You know, because I know what beekeeping, they used to say it was because like the boxes were just too heavy, like for women, you know, yeah. and like they are really heavy, you know, like I had a guy, a, pho a photographer come yesterday and I was like, oh, I'll carry a box of honey out to you. <laughs> and it wasn't even full. And like I could hold it for like, a minute and I had to put it down and he was like 
is that really heavy? And I said, yeah. I said, do you want to try it? And he he literally got a shock. He nearly dropped it on the ground, you know. Um, so I think that's what happened with beekeeping. And then, like, obviously farming and different things that were really strength-orientated. I suppose if women were getting pregnant or hormonally, like, you know, that week of the month where you're just not as strong and you need time and more easy activities, I guess it's not good for production, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I could certainly see that from, from working in sort of camps and bushcraft style camps. Um, I actually saw that last week myself because I was um, helping on a camp for schools and we did lots of bushcraft activities and wildlife related activities. And um, so I, I just couldn't, couldn't lift the jerry cans which full of water and uh you know the the uh the guy that was running it could just like lift one on each arm and happy days and i i did feel at that point i was like muscle must be one of the desired criteria for working here because i don't know how you manage otherwise so in a way this is showing that there needs to be thought and care in planning um how things are laid out and designed in these sorts of spaces so that it's accessible for everyone no matter how strong they are because as well it's not just a male female thing some women are stronger than men some men yeah. are stronger than women and um Absolutely. some have dodgy backs and you don't want to live something like that and so yeah it, it does need to be thought about in these industries for sure mm. wow um, and is there anything else you'd like to share about the book? Um, just how much fun I've had creating it. And I, I really hope that that comes across when people read it. Um, it's been, yeah, a journey of connection for me, um, just in pulling so many different different authors together and coordinating everyone. And uh, we've done some really nice events where different authors have come and yeah, it's just a really nice network and I feel very inspired for myself. And yeah, I hope that others feel inspired too. And if somebody wanted to get the book, where could they get it? Um, well, they can go on the, the Watkins Media website um, or there's a whole list of different suppliers on the www.wilderjourneys.com, mm. uh, which is probably the easiest one. Um, of course it's on Amazon but I'm not going to necessarily advocate <laughs> that so people can decide if they go on our website wilderjourneys.com they'll be able to find all the different suppliers um, and if it's not in your local independent bookshop then please ask for it um, the more people that ask for it the more likely it will get ordered in and then the more people will see it and be able to buy it that's kind of how it works mm. and I love the name it's fab <laughs> thank you yeah yeah <laughs> it sounds like one of my workshops be wild journey <laughs> maybe that's why I love it so much no I'm only oh, it's, that's workshop. it's like a, it's it's like a journey we go on so I just created it there a few years ago in the pandemic and it's kind of like incorporating bees honey uh walking through the beehives and then going into the forest ecosystem and then like a bit of forest therapy and education and grounding and it's like a journey you know it's 
and then seeing like food that I grow and tasting it and like a full wild journey. Sounds um, Yeah, I love that you include these. I know. These are like, yeah, I'm like, I actually would never say this, but I'm kind of tired. I'm tired today of the bees. I really am. All <laughs> the swarms. Like, <laughs> I guess it happens to everyone at some point. It's in the bee it's, world. <laughs> it's like, it's like the last week and a half, every single day, like queens into the sky. It's because of the heat, I guess. And yeah, and, and I suppose, you know, it's a real sign of strength. Like they're obviously expanding massively and like that's really good. That's a really great sign. Like maybe people leaving their lawns, not mowed. You know, we had, uh, do you have no mow may? Do we have what, sir? It's called no mow may where nobody mows their lawns for me. I, I actually haven't heard of it. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. you could start that where you are. But um. You just don't mow the lawn. So like maybe not mowing the lawns in, in this like coming, you know, spring into summer. Like maybe that's helped even like you don't know. But yeah, I'm like, I need to go down now and collect two swarms. <laughs> <laughs> Is that still tonight? Yeah. And oh, I have to wait until it gets dark. So like, like the way I live is like rhythms of nature. So like I live with when everything's going down, I go down. But like now at the moment, I'm doing the opposite rhythm. So I'm not feeling my best version of me because I'm tired and I'm like please stop <laughs> but like I enjoy it as well like, it's it's only a season you know it'll be gone again and I'll be like oh remember that you know it's just demanding a lot right now and I normally only move them when it gets dark and they've all stopped foraging um yeah it's it's mad as well when we look at nature and we see that mirror like all the bees out foraging all day and like what are humans doing? Going to the shop and buying yeah. food that should be free, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you're a farmer as well, so there's going to be probably the calving season coming after the bee season or, I don't know. Also. Well, there's no cattle now, so oh, just, okay. just minimal at the moment. So it's it's all good. Um, but yeah. yeah, I hear you how, how you align your life with um, the rhythms of other beings. It's, yeah. I guess that's what we, we're all doing to some extent. You know, the food we eat is grown somewhere. Is well, sometimes in season, sometimes it's from across the world. But the more we think about the seasonality of things, I guess the more sustainable we'll be, generally. Yeah. Um. And, like, what's next for you now? Have you any adventure planned? You have your craft thing coming up or... Well, actually, I'm going first of all to the tracking course, and then after that, going to visit Miriam, my co-editor in Bulgaria, to um, yeah have a mountain trip. And this is the first first trip of walking since my foot has been damaged. So I'm really hoping that it will it will be great, and I can yeah just get back into my walking mode. And it's just going to be great to be in the mountains and be with her. So yeah, really looking forward to that. Lovely. And are the people around where you live now, are they into wild living or how are, how are they? Yeah, quite a few people. Um, my I live in a co-housing and one of my neighbours said, hey, Laurie, let's go um, vivying in the woods. And we just like went for a bike trip and went to stay in the woods. And uh, yeah, a few, a few have, of my, um, my friends have sort of 
since since I've published this this book, they are like, oh, you're the adventure person. Let's go on an adventure, <laughs> which is great. It's it's fun. So yeah, I've got lots lots of people um, asking to go on trips and things. Lovely. And some something I kind of find with a lot of people who come on, um, when they found this wild way of being, um, is it something that you missed for a while in your life that you came back to or was it always there I think it's gone in ebbs and flows in my life but it's since going on that as I talked about at the beginning that Duke of Edinburgh camping trip when I was 14 15 since then I've made sure that at some points in the year I'm just off away in the hills in the mountains and sort of built built in that and it's only it's only now in my life I think that I'm trying to integrate the adventure more into my daily life and um, doing these sorts of rites of passage workshops as well we do them seasonally so I can create a kind of seasonal intention that connects me with nature as well and then learning the crafts and doing foraging so it's maybe a few more daily daily connections and wildness happen happen for me as I grow older Mm. and what happens for you in your mind do you get a sense of peace like just explain to people that maybe are just maybe not so connected or Mm. I think a sense of aliveness and life force is the best way for me to describe it I feel more alert and more engaged and more conscious well thank you for coming on thanks so much for having me Kate it's great to be here it's fun and folks if you've enjoyed this episode please give it a share and check out Wilder Journeys Um, I'll leave it in the show notes Um, and patrons thank you so much for supporting please go on to patreon.com slash catch caught and help me on my B mission. And I'll talk to you all very soon. Long.